In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you for joining me today in this uh, adult meeting and our continuing series on the family. Uh, as you can see, we're not at church this morning, unfortunately, in accordance with the request during these weeks of the pandemic to maintain our physical distancing. So we pray that God continue to guide us through these difficult times as our churches are not open for the public prayers and services. Uh, we will continue to serve as much as possible remotely and uh, we'll increase our prayers all the more. Today, uh, we pray that God be in our midst. So whether you're listening online right now or hearing this as a recording on another day, we pray that God bless this time together as we study his word and the lives of the great saints and to open our minds and hearts to understand his words for us and give us the strength to carry out his will. Um, today is a very special day because we have a, a different uh, venture today that we will uh, be venturing away a little bit from our traditional conversation about marriage and parenting. And instead, we're going to study the life of a saint uh, that's a model example of a parent. So although the scriptures are full of excellent stories of the lives of fathers and mothers that have glorified God and lived holy lives, taught their children to do the same. Today, we're going to choose one that played a central role in this way. Uh, however, he's often not the one we usually remember. Uh, he's a bit overlooked, unfortunately. So today, we're going to share with you this, uh, his story and learn from his example. The topic of today's talk is the righteous and obedient parent. On the 26th day of the blessed month of Abib, the departure um, of the righteous Saint Joseph the carpenter um, is, um, is remembered. Uh, this upright saint was the caretaker here on earth of the Holy Theotokos, the Virgin Saint Mary, and our Lord Jesus Christ. This righteous man, St. Joseph the Carpenter, um, is uh, who we're going to be talking about today because the 26th day of Abib is next Sunday. So in about a week, we are going to remember um, his departure. When we look at stories and icons of the Nativity or the flight to Egypt, our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Virgin St. Mary are clear and always central. Uh, and, but what about that third member of that family, St. Joseph, the righteous older man in those icons? We often don't pay as much attention to him. Traditionally, the Orthodox iconography displays, or sorry, downplays um, this figure uh, of St. Joseph to minimize the scriptural account that Christ was born of the Virgin. Um, so we, we have this um, understanding in Orthodox iconography that the central figure is our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Theotokos, St. Mary. So they are very much emphasized. Um, and to emphasize the scriptural account that Christ was born of the Virgin and St. Joseph really was not his father. St. Joseph is often seen to the side of the icon, like behind the donkey that's carrying the Virgin and the Christ child. And we know uh, why this is in order to promote, sorry, in order um, not to promote heretical ideas, 
so he's not portrayed as you know the head of his of the holy family, like the leader or the the father, because God the Father is the true Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We honor uh, Saint Mary, who is the pride of the human race, right? The one whom our Lord uh, chose to carry him and give birth to him in the flesh. Um, how our Lord chose her uh, from all the other women. So she deserves this place of respect and of reverence. Do we then imagine that our Lord would not take also the similar great care in choosing the man who would be caring for his mother? I mean, on the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ chose St. John the Beloved to do this. But what about before his birth? You know, our Lord must have taken great care in choosing the man who would be the most worthy of this responsibility of caring for his mother and of him as a child, the man who would be a caretaker for him and betrothed to his mother. You know, we spend a great deal of time contemplating on the life and attributes of the Holy Theotokos St. Mary and during the month of Kiak and the remembrances in the 21st day of each Coptic month, our church celebrates the commemoration of the pure Virgin St. Mary the mother of the savior of the world, the great shelter, the inexhaustible treasure and intercessor um, of mankind, as we say. And the upcoming fast of St. Mary and the celebration of the assumption of her pure body uh, on the 22nd of August. So Our Lady, our mother, is given her rightful place. She's honored all over the world and is celebrated by many denominations of Christians and also by, um, you know, by non-Christians as well. But what about St. Joseph? He's called the righteous, the upright, the carpenter, the betrothed, the worker in the Catholic church. He's referred to as the worker. St. Joseph, the servant of the mystery of the incarnation. In the Gospels, our Lord Jesus Christ was uh, known as the son of Joseph. He's also known as the son of the carpenter. So this man who helped to raise him as a child. Uh, we who um, have children know that there are many daily things that we need to do to raise our kids, right? As babies and toddlers and youngsters, we do so much for them. We teach them to do things, little tasks and you know, things like that. So who taught our Lord these things? Did he need to be taught these things? You know, but our Lord submitted to his parents, it said in the scriptures. Who washed him, um, you know, after playing outside before supper? Who taught him how to put on his clothes and what foods to eat? Um, and as he grew older, who took him to the marketplace to shop and who taught him to work with his hands? You know, every Jewish man, by tradition, taught his children, his son, a trade. Uh, this trade was how he would earn a living. And St. Joseph was a craftsman who worked with wood. He most likely taught our Lord Jesus the work of carpentry. He taught him to read and to help with the chores of the house. Um, and if I may be so bold and say so, you know, our, our Lord Jesus Christ was first obedient to the will of his father, with a capital F, his heavenly father. And then he was willingly subject himself to his mother and 
his uh, other father with a small f, uh, St. Joseph. So when, when our Lord Jesus was 12 years old and their family went from Nazareth to Galilee, uh, Nazareth and Galilee to Jerusalem, um, they did this every year to celebrate the Feast of the Passover. And the boy Jesus lingered behind in the city. So Joseph and his mother didn't know it. And they left with their relatives and their families in what looked or it sounded like a big caravan, right, of pilgrims. And they had journeyed about a day. And they were thinking that Jesus was among the other relatives and acquaintances. But then they didn't find him. And so they returned and they found him sitting in the temple, listening and questioning um, asking questions of the teachers and um, and the uh, the gospel says all who listened to him were astonished at his understanding and answers but when his mother saw him she said son why have you done this look your father and I sought you anxiously that's you know like what every mother and father would do right they would look for their child and say you had us so worried Right after that uh, verse in the gospel, according to St. Luke chapter 2, in verse 51, it says, Then he, that's Christ, uh, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. So our Lord, God himself, was subject to his earthly parents. He listened to them and he listened and obeyed them, his two parents. So... God must have chosen this man, St. Joseph, perfectly in order that um, our Lord of glory would obey this man. So what do we know about the life of this holy man? It's difficult to find ancient icons depicting St. Joseph alone or uh, an icon with uh, St. Joseph and our Lord Jesus. And these are for the reasons we mentioned, that the central figures in those icons are Christ and the Holy Theotokos because they, uh, for fear of heresies, there was um, really um, a downplaying of the role of the uh, earthly father or the foster father or the caretaker role of St. Joseph. The more modern paintings and icons may show this, uh, though some uh, you know, would claim that those are not truly orthodox in tradition. Uh, from the Holy Scriptures and from church tradition, we know that St. Joseph was the son of Jacob, the son of Matan, according to the ancestral line. So that was biologically. But he was also the son of Heli, the son of Matat, according to the law, a descendant of King David from the tribe of Judah. So uh, St. Joseph was born in Bethlehem, and he worked as a carpenter. He lived in Nazareth in Galilee, so north of uh, Bethlehem and north of um, Jerusalem. <clears throat> and he worked there until he was, a, you know, an old, an honorable old man. Uh, and he passed away, uh, tradition tells us, uh, at 111 years of age. So he lived a righteous and simple life. He wasn't wealthy. He didn't have much power. Um, he didn't have a position of authority. But we, uh, you know, but he was well known among the people as a truly righteous and upright man who loved God and served him faithfully. 
<clears throat> if you remember, the Holy Theotokos St. Mary was living as a servant in the temple since the uh, age of three years old when her parents gave her to God there to serve in his house. But when she was 12 years of age, she could no longer stay in that role. Uh, so the priest searched for men of the tribe of Judah uh, who would take care of her, her tribe. And one of those men, because of his godliness and his holiness and his good, um, good old age, was St. Joseph. And through a divine lottery, he was chosen to be the one. Tradition says that his staff was chosen among the ones there, and a dove came and stood on him. So Zechariah, the priest, knew that St. Joseph was the one chosen by God. So Zechariah handed to Joseph the Virgin St. Mary and told him, take her and keep her in your house. And so St. Joseph obeyed his commandment and worshipped God, as the Synexod tells us. St. Joseph was a very old man at this time, almost 90 years of age, and he was appointed by God as a caretaker of St. Mary. She was very young. She was a very young woman. And as was the Jewish custom, it was necessary um, to necessary social and legal arrangement that he was her guardian and her betrothed to be husband. And it's um, this tradition is similar to some Old Testament stories. You know, the story of Queen Esther and Mordecai. Esther was a virgin and she was chosen to be a virgin because of her virginity to to um, to be the wife of the king, right? Esther was a virgin, and she was a daughter of Mordecai's uncle. And he was, and Mordecai was her guardian and husband. You know, so Saint Joseph, at a very very old age, took Saint Mary into his home in Nazareth to take care of her, and he was faithful and righteous in this responsibility. Um, he didn't really know what a treasure he was receiving, what a gift, what a blessing to accept this role. Similarly, you know, in our lives, we don't, we don't know what God has in store for us. You know, when we raise these children that God has given us as parents, um, you know, we're asked to do certain things. We're asked by God to take on certain responsibilities, certain roles. And like St. Joseph, we're to be faithful and diligent in this. Uh, we're asked to be caretakers of uh, our children, but also maybe our siblings, of our parents, particularly as they get older, of other family members, of strangers even. But our first lesson is to be faithful to the promises that we make. We're supposed to act righteously toward those who are assigned uh, to care. We're assigned to care for and protect and to you know to serve. So St. Joseph did this, and, and oh, you know, like how much benefit he had because of this. So we see from the Gospels that St. Joseph is mentioned in the Gospel according to St. Matthew and the Gospel according to St. Luke mostly, right? So not mentioned at all in the Gospel of Mark, and only once in one verse in the Gospel according to St. John. You know, we see the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ being of the line of David the king and was drawn down from Abraham to St. Joseph in the gospel according to St. Matthew. Um, and from Joseph back 
back to Adam in the gospel according to St. Luke. So these gospel writers wrote it from two different perspectives, uh, mentioning the genealogy of our Lord Jesus. In Matthew, the legal father of Joseph is mentioned, uh, this person, Heli, or Heli. Um, but Heli had no children of his own. In Luke, it's the actual biological father of St. Joseph that's mentioned. His name is Jacob, and he was uh, Heli's brother. And according to the Jewish law in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, if a man had no children, his brother would take um, his wife to be able to bear children to carry on the legal name of his brother. So we notice that our Lord Jesus Christ is named here as a son of Joseph. Although we know that St. Mary was a virgin and she was only betrothed to Joseph and her child Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. So since St. Mary was also of the tribe of Judah, she would be in that um, descent uh, uh, ancestry of David as well. Uh, but also, you know, Jewish marriage laws of the Old Testament confer the hereditary rights on adopted as well as biological sons. So although Jesus was not begotten of Joseph, as we know, he was shown to be in his ancestral line because of Joseph's betrothal to St. Mary, uh, who was the mother of our Lord Jesus. In the Gospel according to St. John, we see one verse in John 6:42, when St. Joseph is mentioned as the father of Jesus. And, and they, uh, here, the, they are the Jews who complained about Jesus because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Says, um, and they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? So we realize that Joseph was seen as the caretaker and guardian of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's seen as his father. And again, in Luke chapter 2, when St. Mary spoke to uh, uh, Christ uh, at, the, at 12 years old when he was in the temple, and she said, look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. So this indicates that St. Joseph was seen again in the role of, you know, like a foster father, if you will, of our Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. St. Joseph, like we said, was in his you know, late 80s or 90s by this time, and St. Mary was 12 years old when she went to live with him. He was not a wealthy man. His house in Nazareth was probably quite simple. His walking stick that was chosen from the men of Judah was also probably really simple, not ornate in any way, like it didn't have any jewels on it or wasn't fancy. Right? But tradition says that, you know, uh, he won that lottery and that stick of his, although it was probably shorter than the others or not ornate in any way. Some tradition tells us that it sprouted. Um, others uh, say that the lottery was made manifest when a bird, a dove, came and landed on him. But it was chosen, and it became clear to all that, there was, that, that this was the man that God has chosen for this really important role. So St. Mary lives with him and betrothed, as we said, and we know the story of the Annunciation of Gabriel the Archangel to her, that she will have a child by the Holy Spirit. And she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. 
So she believed. And it doesn't say that she went and told this news to St. Joseph. You know, she kept it to herself. And she believed if God wanted this, then he would take care of it. Because as you can imagine, the circumstance is quite scandalous if seen from outside eyes, right? And that's where we see another side of St. Joseph. So Mary goes to visit Elizabeth in the hill country and during the visitation. And when she comes back, she starts to show that she's pregnant. Here, St. Joseph is her caretaker and husband. You know, back then, betrothal meant that he was her husband by law, although she did not have relations with him as a husband and wife. It says that being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. Matthew 1, 19. So any other man with selfish intentions would have publicly disgraced her. But not this man, not this man of God. We see another attribute of St. Joseph in this way. So we know he was a righteous man, righteous and was chosen by God. But he was a just man and a kind man, a merciful man. You know, Even though the law told him that he could and should shame her and tell others that this woman is carrying a child that is not his child, Therefore, she committed adultery, which carried the price of death by stoning, if we remember. He could have done this, but he was a fair man and kind. And he took his oath to God seriously when he agreed to take care of St. Mary. So even as he was so conflicted in his mind, he doesn't judge her. He doesn't allow others to judge her. He decides not to embarrass her, not to shame her. He decided to put her away quietly. Again, St. Joseph is doing all these things, all these acts toward her before, before the angel appears to him. This is only told by St. Mary. You know, like, like he's, he was only told by St. Mary that she was pregnant, right? And she told him, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, not by a man. Like, wow, right? Most other men would not act like this toward her. But this man was chosen by God and was specifically chosen by God for this reason. So for us today, when we look to St. Joseph's action of kindness and mercy and justice, when we're confronted with something that we feel is our right and we're wronged in some way and we feel like we need to stand up and give it to somebody else for doing us wrong, you know, in those days, the scandal of a wife who commits adultery is a huge deal. In that society, it would be a terrible injustice to the husband, and he'll be mocked and ridiculed if he did not exact justice and expose her for her wrongdoing. But St. Joseph did not do this. He acted with mercy and kindness and didn't judge this young girl when she told him that she was pregnant by God, not by a man. So the story then goes on to say that um, in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her 
until uh, she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This is in Matthew chapter 1, 24 and 25. So this is that third lesson that we learned from St. Joseph, right? So he was righteous, he was a just and kind man, and here we learn from Joseph that he was obedient to God. He believed the angel and did not doubt, right? So here we have a, the story of St. Joseph, who is um, visited by an angel in a dream, and we contrast that with Zechariah the priest. Zechariah was told miraculously by the of the Annunciation by an angel that he would be a father to St. John the Baptist in his old age, right? We know that story of the Annunciation to Zechariah. Um, but unlike Joseph, Zechariah did not believe. He doubted, right? And he was unable to speak until the child was born. And looking at this closer, here was a man, Zechariah, who, as a priest, had studied the scriptures. He knew the stories of the Old Testament. There was a precedent that had been set in the Old Testament scriptures that he was aware of. Remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, who were old when God gave them Isaac. So even though he knew that story, Zechariah didn't believe. And unlike also, you know, like, and likewise, um, also, miraculously, the Annunciation by an angel to St. Joseph that this child was to be born from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I mean, that, that story is, is more unbelievable that a virgin would conceive a child from the Holy Spirit. But St. Joseph was obedient and he believed. And, you know, he didn't doubt. He was a man of uh, faithful obedience. So this virtue we as parents can learn to believe in what God asks of us, to trust in his words. Sometimes it feels like, you know, what God's asking is too hard or too unusual, or he's asking too much of us. But we should be faithful to what God is asking of us because the blessings of this obedience is worth it. So next we know the story of the decree of uh, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So Joseph went from Nazareth to Bethlehem where he was born because he was of the house and lineage of David, right? So that was his, his lineage. The house of David was in Bethlehem. And he was registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. And it was while that they were there that St. Mary delivered our Lord Jesus, and the Son of God, the Logos, right? They remained there and they were visited by shepherds and angels they followed the laws and customs, and they circumcised our Lord on the eighth day. And after the days of purification of St. Mary, as we know, they presented the child Jesus uh, to the temple. And we know of the story of Simeon the elder, who had been waiting for a few hundred years, right, for the promise of God that he would not die until he saw this miracle of the Lord Christ. And it says, um, it says, Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. When Simeon saw the child and he uh, said those beautiful words, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Right? So those, um, when these words were spoken, you know, uh, St. Joseph and St. Mary marveled at those things that were spoken of, of him. 
Joseph was seeing all this, and he was learning that this little baby was the promised Messiah who would save God's people. Uh, then a little while later, the wise men, the Magi, came to visit them and, and gave uh, our Lord Christ their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, as we remember. St. Joseph at this time is working, right? He's supporting his wife, as his young child. We see the miracle, you know, we see that this is all happening around Joseph and, and he's seeing the miracles firsthand and the blessing that he's receiving by this special baby and by the, by the baby's mother, the Theotokos. Uh, you know, what would, what would you and I be thinking if our child was the long-awaited Messiah, right? We, we, in our earthly, limited human forms, what do we do, right? We, we get all worked up when our kid gets a special prize at school or does well on a soccer field or is selected for a special recognition in the community, right? We get so prideful. We, we like to show off and we want to brag and tell all the others about our kids. We judge other people's kids. We come to church and we see the children of others running around and are loud and unruly and we, you know, we pass judgment on these kids and their parents. We feel like our kids are the ones who need to be recognized for their good behavior. We get prideful, which can turn into selfish motives. But, you know, let's see how St. Joseph reacts. St. Joseph is soon visited in a dream a second time by an angel of the Lord who tells him, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So St. Joseph obediently, without question, rose up and took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. You know, St. Joseph didn't even wait till morning. He was so obedient that he didn't waste any time at all. He got up at night and departs to Egypt. How can this man really be that righteous and obedient? You know, he could have said, wait a minute, isn't this the Messiah? Isn't he supposed to save us? You know, why do we have to leave all that I know, right? Why do I have to leave my friends and those acquaintances that I've gotten to know, the loved ones, you know, my livelihood? Why do I have to leave all this and run away if, if he's the son of God? You know, all these angels that, that, that I keep seeing, can't they just come and protect us? You know, he could have said all those things. But again, we see those two virtues of St. Joseph. He was righteous. And he was obedient. And he's obedient to the command of the Lord. He doesn't question. That is why the Lord chose him to be the one guardian and betrothed to his holy mother. As God had looked down from heaven and chose the Virgin St. Mary to be his mother, we believe and see why God has chosen with the same care the holy man St. Joseph to be his, you know, earthly guardian. Rem Reminds us of Abraham, the patriarch, and his obedience to God when he said, you know, when God said to Abraham, leave your land and your people and I will guide you to a land far away. Abraham obeyed. And what does this poor old carpenter Joseph know about Egypt? You know, he's from a small village of Nazareth. Egypt is another country. But he obeys God. And he takes his holy family and he travels to Egypt. And they're there, we know from tradition, for three and a half years. This journey to Egypt could not have been an easy one. They traveled on foot. 
they had to rest and eat and drink. They were followed by the soldiers of Herod. They were on the run. And everywhere they went, Scripture tells us in the Old Testament and Isaiah 19 verse 1, tells us that the idols in the city fell down. See, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him and the hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. Can you imagine the sight? You know, this poor little Jewish family who are on the run. And when they enter a city, the idols in the pagan temples fall. If you've seen the temples of Egypt, you know how huge those temples can be. The statues that are massive, they're often made of stone or metals and they're ornate and the people adore them, right? So you can imagine the people would be so angry that these poor Jewish strangers who enter the town and ruin the temples. And the Holy Family's flight into Egypt is really only mentioned briefly in the second chapter of the Gospel of according to St. Matthew. There we learn that when Jesus was born, Herod the king uh, of the Jews, as, uh, as well as the client of the Roman emperor, this Herod is the one who built the temple in Jerusalem, but he's mainly remembered for being the one who was responsible for the massacre of the innocent children, right? Massacre of the innocents. When the three wise men from the east informed Herod of the birth of a king in Bethlehem, says he sent forth and put to death all the male children in that town and all its districts from two years old and under. So the Holy Family was able to avoid this massacre by fleeing to Egypt, where they remained until an angel told Joseph that Herod had died. So Matthew uh, is the only one who mentions this story. He tells it as the fulfillment of the words spoken by God to the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt have I called my son, Hosea 11.1. 1. Though Hosea was invoking Israel's special relationship with God through the memory of the Exodus, uh, Matthew understood those words. And, you know, some 800 years later, um, he was for, that is foretelling the coming of the Messiah. So the use of quotations from the Old Testament to prove that Jesus was the fulfillment of the scripture, you know, is quite characteristics of the gospel according to St. Matthew. But we as Copts, we are very familiar with the flight to Egypt, aren't we? And the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy, out of Egypt I called my son. The trip, which lasted, you know, probably three and a half years, it extended over 3,000 kilometers. It went to 31 sites, eight caves or grottos, 18 water springs or wells, 13 trees. You know, these special places are blessed in our country of Egypt, right? Today, thriving churches or monasteries stand on the sites which Egyptians see as a source of blessing. So we as Egyptian Christians are really proud of this blessing. And yet it was the faith of St. Joseph that contributed in part to this blessing. With obedience and righteousness and faith in God, our homeland of Egypt was blessed. You know, the Holy Family's journey in Egypt is steeped in tradition. And it tells of time-honored miracles worked by this uh, Holy Family. Also of everyday tales of these poor parents, right, that were with this child in a strange land. Here, 
they stop to rest under the shade tree. There, the mother gives the baby a bath. Elsewhere, she bakes bread for her family. You know, our Coptic church marks the entry of the Holy Family into Egypt on the 24th of Vashens. The feast is joyfully celebrated, you know, exclusively in the Coptic church. It's a fact of which we Copts are really proudly conscious. The traditional icon that depicts the flight into Egypt is beautiful. And all of us are very familiar with it, right? We see it. We see it in every church and in many of our homes. This icon here that you see in front of you, this one is in my house. And I love it. It's beautiful. You know, the iconographic image of the flight has remained largely unchanged for the last 1,500 years. It shows that the Holy Virgin was tenderly holding baby Jesus as they ride on a donkey with St. Joseph walking on foot alongside or behind them, right? Other icons show the family sailing the Nile in a boat with scenic banks um, in the background featuring the pyramids, the palm trees, the lotus, the papyrus leaves, birds, angels. We sometimes also see in the icons um, we see uh, additional individuals accompanying the Holy Family on this journey, namely Salome or James, right? Um, in, um, in this icon that you see in front of you here, I know it isn't our topic of discussion today, but just please look at this beautiful icon. The picture doesn't do it justice, right? It's a little faded, but this is a famous icon in St. Mark's Cathedral in Cairo. Egyptian symbols are all over this icon. The desert land, the mountains we see in a beautiful color. The pyramids are also shown in the far back of the icon. The palm trees characterize Egypt's fertile lands in a high part of the Egyptian sun at sunset. Uh, other details of the Egyptian landmarks we see in the icon there is the, the obelisk, the river Nile, with the abundance of fish illustrating life, right? The iconographers mean to illustrate that the Holy Family crossing the River Nile uh, gave life to Egypt as fresh water is the source of life and creation, right? We also see that there are seven fish in the river. As you may already know, seven is a very important number. It's found throughout the Bible and it signifies perfection and completion. So here, the flight into Egypt, the seven fish in the Nile signify the perfection of Christ's ministry in Egypt completing the Old Testament prophecies. In many Orthodox icons, we see the Holy Family riding a donkey, a characteristic Egyptian animal used by the people at that time for many tasks. We also see doves flying around the Holy Family, which represent joy and peace, despite the context of the trip that they were on, that they were you know, running away. The Pharaoh's boat carrying the Holy Family is the central focus of the icon, and it's larger than all the other details. Uh, the artists take great care to include many aspects and symbols of the icon to indicate how far and wide the Holy Family traveled throughout Egypt uh, without compromising the main focus of the story uh, that's being portrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ, His Holy Mother, and uh, St. Joseph. You know, on the left side of the icon, Another thing that's interesting, we see Jesus as a small baby carried by the Virgin Mary in her lap with love and affection. Um, but at the bottom right of the icon, the larger image of the Holy Family 
shows Jesus as a growing boy. This shows the estimated time lapse of about three and a half years that they spent in Egypt. Jesus is the source and cause of holiness in the journey because he, the events took place primarily to save his life from the hands of Herod. And we see in many icons an angel accompanying the Holy Family as a guard wearing a white robe as a symbol of purity. This detail is done to memorialize uh, the angel which appeared to Joseph informing him to go to Egypt. Right, all these beautiful uh, little details. We see the face of St. Mary. It appears you know, beautiful looking at a small boy with wide eyes. And that's a characteristic of our Coptic art, right? It appears that she's contemplating everything that she's seeing, everything that's happening to her, everything she does this in silence, keeping all things in God's hands. It's believed that St. Mary was you know, around 15 years old when this journey to Egypt took place. Joseph was betrothed to Mary before she became pregnant with Jesus, and he's considered the earthly father figure to Jesus. You know, on this journey to Egypt, Joseph took the role of protector, you know, breadwinner even. And, and yet they were on the go, so he, he, they couldn't stay in one place very long. He probably didn't set up shop as a carpenter, right? You need to establish a, a workspace that they may not have had the luxury of because they had to move around. But St. Joseph was given the divine command to go to Egypt and was the one who received the command to return back to Israel. So St. Joseph is accurately portrayed here in this icon as an elderly man. Often we see uh, a romanticized young man in some of the Western images, but here, rightly so, he holds a crutch, right? Uh, and he travels on foot, guiding the march on what's sure to be an arduous journey. Without objection, St. Joseph is embarking on this journey in obedience to God. And he guards this family from the dangers of the road. What a beautiful, beautiful contemplation as we look at this icon. One of the many reasons we still feel so connected to the time the Holy Family spent in Egypt is because of the miracles and traditions they left behind for us. So during those travels, written accounts indicated that they received charity from kind strangers, but often they were without shelter or food or water. Most of the sites associated with the flight of the Holy Family reflected hardship overcome by the Holy Family. For example, walking in the heat of day, they would find shade under a tree, which was blessed. When they were hungry, a palm tree would bow down and offer its dates. Their thirst is quenched by local wells, or in more dire circumstances, a spring, you know, springs forth by the infant Jesus's touch. When they were chased by the thieves, a tree opens up to hide them, right? And when there's no room at the inn, they sleep in a cave that miraculously appears. These are all traditional stories that we grow up hearing. And when we visit Egypt, we see these sites. And after each of those encounters, the tree, the well, the cave, thereafter, you know, there's miracles that happen, healing powers from those places. In, uh, in each place, a pilgrimage happened and people marked it by building a church or a monastery or a convent. And typically it was dedicated to the Virgin St. Mary. So we as cops have a long tradition of venerating the Virgin St. Mary. 
and churches in her name are found throughout Egypt and several large Christian you know, festivals, mulids, right? These pilgrimage festivals in Egypt are dedicated to the Virgin and almost all of them are held at these holy, holy family sites. So, but as much as we cops love St. Mary, we're also appreciating the holiness of St. Joseph who was there with her and Christ on this trip to Egypt. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph a third time in a dream in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So we know that St. Joseph arose, and he took the child Jesus and his holy mother, and came into the land of Israel. And then being warned by God in a dream a fourth time now, St. Joseph turned aside to the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, right? Again, all to fulfill scriptures. All of these things are happening, and St. Joseph is being so obedient to the word of God. So St. Joseph endured many hardships during his difficult life journey. However, what comforted him was the, that he was seeing daily in the face of our Lord Jesus. Uh, receiving the blessings of the Virgin St. Mary. He taught our Lord the artisan work of a carpenter, right? The, the Holy Family traveled each year to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. They lived a righteous life together, a simple life. St. Joseph, tradition tells us, continued working in his profession, looking after his family until he completed his good endeavor and rested in the Lord. This happened sometime before the crucifixion of our Lord um, because we know that St. Joseph isn't mentioned being present at the crucifixion. We don't exactly know how old our Lord Jesus Christ was at the repose of St. Joseph, but it must have been a really special feeling to be there holding the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, as this great saint and earthly foster father uh, to Jesus was passing away. God had given St. Joseph incredible health and strength. And that was a miracle in and of itself, right? To be able to stay strong and mighty and figure and endure all these hardships all those years. You know, he was a really old man when he went on that, on that flight to Egypt. But his health was strong and, and, and he rested finally in the Lord at the age of 111. Um, as St. Joseph uh, taught our Lord Jesus uh, to a simple life, to work hard, to believe and obey God's laws and be righteous. You know, we too should teach our kids those very same things. St. Paul in his, in his letter to the Thessalonians said, we urge you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work your own hands, right? Work with your own hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you may not be dependent on anybody. I can imagine that it was, you know, that it was St. Joseph who was living that kind of life, right? He led a quiet life. He worked hard with his hands. He minded his own business. He won the respect of others and he didn't depend on anybody except God. Such is the life and character of this righteous, humble man of God. And that's why 
our Lord chose him carefully among all the other men. Just like God has chosen us, each and every one of us, before the creation of the world, God chose us to be righteous. It's up to us whether or not we accept and live that life of righteousness. So may we all, with the grace of God, choose to live righteous and holy lives as these saints did through the intercessions of St. Joseph. May the prayers of this holy and righteous and obedient man of God be with us all. Amen.